So again, SEO and scaling SEO has less weight if you're not nurturing and capturing those leads properly. Because the goal yeah. is to bring traffic, but what if, if we don't convert that traffic, then it doesn't mean anything, yeah. right? Hey, thanks so much for pressing play on this episode of Content Marketing Commute. Episode 5 already, guys. And today, speaking to Trish Seidel. I was in Paris. Trish Seidel is head of content at Just. More about Just in a moment on this episode. But this was absolutely fantastic. As you've seen, when you pressed play, this episode is all about scaling a business through SEO and Trish is an absolutely incredible, incredibly intelligent person and was able to demystify this topic. I don't know if it's just me, but SEO, even though I'm a content marketer, has always been something that still held a lot of questions in my mind. It's always changing, it's always shifting and approaching it is a little bit of a moving target. So Trish was really able to demystify a lot of things in this episode. I met her in Paris halfway through her commute. We met by Salazar train station and we walked the rest of the way to her office in the rain and passed some very loud buses. So, you know, you may hear a bit of background noise but that's what this podcast is all about it's content marketing in the wild and really really hope you enjoy this episode trish also calls herself your marketing big sister and she'll talk a little bit about that but uh, i really do hope you enjoy this episode as i said episode five we are still just getting started on this podcast i am i'm always saying we but really it's just i and that's exactly why I need your support, because uh, just getting started, it's just me. So what I'd love and what I'd so appreciate is that uh, you just spend five seconds literally leaving me a nice rating and a review. I'll wait for you. You can go and do it right now. I'll still be here. So just go ahead and uh, leave me a nice rating and a review. Pause this. And then come back. Did you do it? I don't think you did it. You'd go do it. Okay, good. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. That's going to help all the algorithms somehow to help us be more visible. So appreciate it. Anyway, enjoy this episode. So this is Trish, Trish Siegel. Hey, what's up? Hey, thank you so much for being with us. Sure. There's someone going into the Starbucks behind us, but their door is locked. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> we'll figure so, it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So, Trish, let's get walking. All right, let's do it. Let's go this way. Okay. Right. Here we go. Perfect. So, Trish, we, uh, we're here at Saint Lazare. Yep. And you've just done your first part of your commute, and now we're finishing off yep. your commute to work. Uh, you're head of content at Just. I am. Tell us a bit more about your role and, and the company. Sure. So Just is an all-in-one B2B e-commerce solution. So basically our goal is to digitalize all B2B transactions. Yeah. And that can mean a whole lot of things, but basically we want to help the digital transformation of the B2B sector. 
amazing. Yeah, I am the head of content, which means that, you know, that can mean a whole bunch of different things for different yeah, people, and depending on the size of the team and, and everything else. But my goal is to basically help uh, contribute to the inbound funnel and make sure all the sales have the leads that they need. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So you're very much That's sort of, um, it sounds like you're talking about it really from a performance point of view and, you know, business outcomes in terms of leads and customers and stuff absolutely because sometimes in content that's you can get a little bit separated from the kind of final outcome of you know winning a customer exactly yeah and i think it's really important that as marketers we remember that our goal is to help generate visibility uh, interest and that can mean a bunch of different things for different people but for us at just it's about making sure that you know we have and you know nourish that pipeline for all of our sales so that they can sign some great deals yeah Awesome. Okay, very cool. You'll hear in the background the hustle and bustle of the city, and that's what this podcast is all about, right? It's it's content marketing in the wild. Uh, (laughs) Content marketers in the wild. Content marketers in the wild. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, Okay, and another probably elephant in the room, Trish, is you don't sound... Well, you are French, but you don't have a French accent. Almost French. Oh, you're almost French. Almost French. Hopefully the French government will see this and, and, you know, just give me my nationality or citizenship this way. See how valuable you've been to the economy and other such things. Thank you. I appreciate it. But yes, I'm American. I've been living in France for 10 years. Total of 15 if you count, you know, from when I was here as a teenager learning French. Lovely. Um, Yeah, it's been a wonderful time here. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Trish, I'm going to talk about uh, scaling businesses through SEO, and I'm excited for that. I'm a content marketer as well, but I'd say SEO is not my, you know, wheelhouse. strongest room, warehouse. Yeah. I'm more of the social guy, I guess, social media. Really? I never would have guessed. You wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm always excited to speak to SEO people and, you know, I think it's something in some ways that holds a bit of mystery to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's like, I know we've got to be targeting keywords or content clusters or whatever, but they're like... How am I actually making a difference on this? Like, yeah. you know. So we're going to talk about that. It can be very abstract. It can, it for sure can. And we're going to talk about like a step-by-step process that you have. Yep. So you got to stick around for that. It's going to be really cool. But I wanted to start off. I like to ask people this: How did you end up where you are in your content head of content role? Because it's not always something you go to uni to study, to college to study, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. So that's a great question. I think um, we started off. Actually, we're going to cross here to the yep. left. Be careful of the bikes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> truly in the wild. Truly. Well, yeah. I started out in marketing because kind of by accident. I mean, I was, a, I was a young person when I arrived here in Paris and I wanted to volunteer. And so I volunteered for a nonprofit organization. I was a good writer. And so they actually yeah. allowed me to write a lot of their blog content. And it kind nice. of spiraled out from there. Okay. After I was working for them for a few years, I was able to go back and get my MBA. Yeah. With my, uh, the concentration in marketing. Okay. And then I got hired at my first company where, you know, I was one of the only marketing hires for the yeah. American team, and in a small team, you do everything that you can, and I yeah. kind of fell into the content marketing role, so right. it chose me, I guess I'd it like to say. It chose you. Yeah, and I yeah. ended up having a, a big passion for it. So. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, the other thing, people, is Trish is a great follow on LinkedIn. I started following you recently on LinkedIn. Yes. And it seems like you're really passionate about about content marketing. Right? I really am. I really am. And um, was he follow me on LinkedIn, your marketing big sister? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that as well. Tell us about that. You know, you've come up with this kind of like, you basically just brand. open your calendar for people to book meetings with you and have a chat about marketing. Yeah. So basically why I wanted to launch your big sister brand is because uh, I think I found myself at one point in my career just not having a mentor. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I have had the possibility 
to understand the power of mentorship. I've had yeah. wonderful mentors in the past, but I know that not everyone has that opportunity. Yeah. And so I really wanted to be a provide a safe space for all my marketing little sisters to be able to come and like Very cool. solve problems or vent or whatever. And yeah. it's been so incredibly insightful of things that I've learned. Very so, cool. Yeah. Very cool. I saw you actually did a post of things you've learned. I that have. was cool. Maybe yeah. we can link to that in the show notes. Absolutely, I love that. Okay, Trish, so let's get into this. Okay, so we're talking about SEO, scaling a business through SEO. And you just start us off. I think it's just, you know, we can just structure this chat of talking through those steps, right? Sure, what do you absolutely. do when you get into a company and you're looking to, I guess, use SEO as a as a growth tactic? Tactic, yeah. So the first thing that you guys want to do is, is, first of all, is define your project scope. So why this is so important is because scaling SEO is a long game strategy, yeah. right? It is not immediate. It is not like it's, it takes time. And if you don't have the right foundations tool and tools put in place and the right stakeholders to sign off on it, yeah. it's going to be much more of a challenge than you think. Oh, no, it's oh, raining. Oh, it started raining. Here, we can like scoot under here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're hiding underneath the bank. Yeah. Really, truly in the wild. Truly um, in the wild. So first, like I was saying, the first step is the project scope. Again, uh, you want to be able to come out of this step with knowing your budget, so how much money you're going to be able to invest in it. Yeah. SEO is not free, yeah. as much as we like to believe it is. Um, it's, again, a long-term strategy, yeah. and it's organic. That doesn't mean that it has no cost. Yeah, totally. Um, make sure that you have the right tools that you need, again. Mm. Um, sign off on all the stakeholders, again, because if you're going to use SEO as a growth yeah. strategy, people have to know that it's going to be a long-term game. And I'm talking about yeah. the executives that need to sign off on your decision, like yeah. the CEO, the COO, the CMO, things yeah. like that. Make sure that everyone knows what you're going to be doing. Nice. And I imagine at this point, it's like, there's so much, in my experience, misunderstanding about what SEO is. Yeah. And, and yeah, expectations that are just wildly unrealistic. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. 100%. So again, SEO is a long game strategy. Um, the results are not immediate. Like, yes, you'll have some traffic pretty much immediately depending on the status of your website and blog when you start but it's a long it's a long it's a long-term game yeah you know? okay cool okay so and and at that point you talk about seeing the scope you're talking about as well like maybe you know setting the goals and objectives uh, what i would say would come in the next part which is building a foundation okay. so step two building a foundation. nice transition yeah thank nice you so much there. i wasn't on purpose <laughs> it seemed like it well, was gonna say that it is um, step, the second step is building that foundation and this is the yeah. longest part of the process because right. you need to do an, a full audit of where you are so that you can know where you want to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can't know where we, what our goals and objectives are without knowing the status of where we are today, right? right? So this means like getting a technical audit of your website because lots of SEOs like me are content people. We're not technical people. Yeah. Uh, you are both. Congratulations. It also yeah. helped me. Yeah. Um, getting your website audited on the technical SEO side. Is right. your website set up? Is your blog set up to be able to scale properly? Because yeah. if you're building on weak foundations, again, makes you know makes no sense. So, yeah. Um, you just mentioned there you're not the technical side. So do you know, do you just bring someone in for that? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. absolutely. Oh, sorry. We're going to all there, people. Is okay, it still, it's still raining pretty hard? Yeah, do you want we can still, yeah. This okay. is like extreme it's like this is where wild. I'm wearing this camera on my head because it's basically extreme sports. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, marketing is a sport. <laughs> can we go all? I mean, big time. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Here we can like. Okay, we're good. This is the favorite Parisian pastime: is crossing, crossing the road. The red. Yeah, on yeah. the red. All right, here. Over here. Ooh. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So, 
we're technical, about yeah, SEO, technical. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're not trying to do that whole technical piece because some of SEO is very technical. It is, yeah. So it's like the largest pillar of SEO, right? The three pillars of SEO, technical, content, authority, right? Yeah. So the technical is the largest pillar, I think. Yeah. And I feel like you really need an expert to be able to tell you the status <laughs> of your website. And like, there are things that we, most marketers can control, like image size, yeah. page load speed, things like that. Making sure that our website is optimized on that side. But there are things like the structure of your code that if you don't have that yeah. technical lingo and, and, and knowledge, of yeah. like how JavaScript is constructed, totally. you might need someone else to, to help you and that's totally okay. Yeah. You have to know everything. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we can feel like it's this massive murky thing SEO sometimes and we need to yeah. learn everything about it but maybe Absolutely it's just not. figuring out what's your skill mm-hmm. and where do you bring other people in on it Absolutely yeah, yeah you don't have to know everything and I think people have their own skills and a really good technical SEO person is half developer half marketer Right. so they're able to communicate in the in the developer's language mm. and they're also able to communicate with you as a content person but again SEO you yeah. don't have to know everything does, yeah. does that make you any less of a content marketer or any less of an SEO expert yeah, it really cool. doesn't cool so what else are you thinking about in terms of building the foundation? You talked about the technical piece. Yeah, technical piece. We're also talking about the construction of a proper inbound funnel. Yeah. So again, SEO and scaling SEO has less weight if you're not nurturing and capturing those leads properly. Because the goal yeah. is to bring traffic. But what if, if we don't convert that traffic, then it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Right? Unless your goal is purely strategic visibility, right? Right. But for us, it's making sure that we're generating enough leads. And we're using it as a lead generation channel. Yeah. So making sure that we have a proper inbound funnel in place and making sure that we have all the scoring that's associated so that we know exactly yeah. that we can differentiate between who's just visiting, who's downloading one of our ebooks, right. who is then coming back to visit a pricing page, making sure that you have all of that put into place mm. to in order to make sure that you're getting those leads properly. And this yeah. can be a huge challenge yeah. because it involves so many people. Right. Right. So it involves not just your marketing team, but it involves your sales team because the sales team is absolutely going to be able to tell you what qualifiers are are best in terms of lead scoring. So communicating with them, making sure that your inbound funnel is set up properly in whatever tool you use, either either it's HubSpot or Salesforce or whatever. Building that out is hard, yeah. and it can take a very long time. So yeah. This is what I mean by foundational. Building this step is going to take the longest, but right. it's worth it. It's worth it. So you yeah you talked about this this step taking the longest. It's like, I feel like I've fallen into that trap as a young marketer before. Mm. I'm just like, it's, it's maybe it's not only SEO, but just like getting started on something that's going to generate traffic and then being like, we'll figure it hang out on, later. yeah, figure it out later. And then you're like, hang on, none of these people are getting converted into into something the sales team can work with. Right. So Exactly. And this is, again, I, I've also made that mistake. Yeah. And I think <laughs> once you make it once, you learn better. Yeah. Um, take the time to build it. It's so worth it. Yeah. It's so worth it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Do you reckon it stopped? I think it might have stopped a bit. Should, should we, we keep, keep, keep walking? walking? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And am I getting a little... Wow. Oh, yeah, Paris is really putting it on for us. So. I know. Well, yeah. this is very classic Paris, isn't it? <laughs> classic Paris. Um, okay, so building that foundation. Are there any other pieces to building a foundation? Oh, I mean, there's a ton, tons of so different little pieces. micro steps in here. But I think the two biggest are getting yourself audited, making sure that you have that inbound funnel set up, and obviously yeah. getting all of your tools set up, like SEMrush or Ashrefs or, yeah. you know, all of those tools. And, oh, making sure that you're doing your keyword research. Like, obviously, yeah. this is a big one. Yeah. Uh, building your content clusters, right? So getting all of this done beforehand. And, yeah. again, having all of those people sign off on it that need to be involved. Uh, your content clusters should be aligned with your business objectives. This is right. where a lot of people also get tripped up is right. that 
they think, oh, we have topics, you know, we have these really interesting topics, but if they're not aligned with your business objectives and yeah. growing the company, it's why we're talking about scaling yeah. versus just growing, right? right? Uh, making sure that it's aligned with your business objectives and, and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. Really cool. Uh, you talk about keywords. One thing I've always found interesting is kind of balancing the super high volume, super high searched volume keywords, right? Yep. With with what's actually relevant to your business. Yeah. Because a lot of times, say you're a niche kind of product, you're going to see the search volume is low. Yeah. But maybe it's still worth going for that. What's oh, your I thoughts on that stuff? Absolutely. Never be afraid of a low keyword volume. You know yeah. what I mean? First of all, the keyword volumes in all these tools are just estimations. Right. right? And they're general estimations. They give mm. us a general idea of like what's being searched and when. Mm. But I've always been told, I had a previous mentor tell me that even if it has a keyword volume of 10, go for it anyway. Right. Obviously, do it, do it smartly. You know what I mean? Not um, do it, now we have AI, do it in a much smarter way, right? right? But um, I talk about that in, in yeah. detail teasing, later. Teasing. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid of low keyword volumes because again, if you're talking about a low keyword volume that's very niche to your sector, to your product, yeah. you will have the possibility to convert a lot of those people. Right. Your conversion is much higher when you're niching down. Yeah. Versus when you're targeting a keyword that has you know fifty thousand keyword volume and you're kind of halfway in it, halfway yeah. out of it. Right. Sure, sure. So never be afraid of that ever. Yeah. Can you quickly talk to us about content clusters? How do you sort of define that? What does that look like? So that looks different for every single company and every single person. Obviously, building content clusters can be very challenging. Yeah. The, the whole theory of content clusters is kind of a puzzle in itself, yeah, okay. right? It's like doing a crossword puzzle, like the New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle, right? Yeah. Um, it can be very challenging because the theory of a content cluster is that your most competitive keywords are at the very top of your cluster yeah. and then you know you're niching down etc right and you're kind of right. working that standard tofu mofu bofu right. funnel but of course isn't re entirely representative of the actual customer journey sure right but so the, the creation of the of clusters again is kind of something that you do with your business objectives in mind mm -hmm. where with lots of SaaS companies like like we are you yeah. tend to attach your clusters to your primary features okay or your primary uh, selling points yeah okay right so if you're a SaaS product let's say let, let's does uh, finance for small businesses maybe one of your content clusters is uh, small business accounting for example right yeah. so kind of aligning up with your features your uh, business goals that should help you give you a starting point yeah. but again you're not really going to know that until you also do a general keyword research right you don't sure. really know so they kind of go together in a lot they of ways. do go together yeah. and people always ask me like do i start with the keyword research or do I start with the clusters yeah you got to just do both and put it together like a little bit of a puzzle yeah. and don't be afraid to externalize all of this mm. as well okay. like keyword research when you're talking about scaling seo you're, you're going to want to have a few hundred keywords mm. in your, you know, to start okay, with. that's good to know. Yeah, and so you're talking about a keyword research. If you're only doing it in one language or one region, yeah. you know, you're talking about two to three hundred keywords, uh, primary keywords, so yeah. articles or landing pages, right? Yeah. Uh, doing several languages or regions like myself, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, don't be afraid to externalize it. Sure. And have um, an agency who you trust that is reliable, that works with content clusters, and that will give you a starting version but it should not be their responsibility to build them all because mm. you know your business objectives better than they do. Yeah, yeah. So you need to be heavily involved in the process if you are going to externalize it. Right, okay. Really, really good stuff, Trish. And I think you just brought up one of the kind of real intricacies of being a content marketer in Europe 
is the language thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so different to say the US or where I'm from in New Zealand. Absolutely. I envy those people now. They can just do everything in English. <laughs> I know. But you know what? Like, but it does come with its own set of challenges. Like, for example, when I was just working in the U.S. market in a, in a previous job, the U.S. market is incredibly competitive right. at the same time. So it does come with its own set of challenges. Yeah, different challenges. Should we move on to step three? Step three, yes. So this is creating the machine. And so people call scaling SEO like creating a content machine, which I love. I think it's kind of a sexy term. Yeah. <laughs> it makes us feel cool like we're the oh, Terminator yeah. or something. Jeez. It's a rare day when content marketers feel cool. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so this next step is to create the machine. And so, again, this looks different for a lot of people. Um, and the idea is to come out of this step with a single unique place where you're going to have your briefs where your freelance writers your freelance editors can come on into one place have a view of the entire process and build all of your onboarding documentation so that it takes as little management from you as possible and this is a huge neglected step in the process is that you think that oh i'll just onboard my freelancer when they arrive I'll walk them through the process. No, they should be able to log on to your Notion page or whatever, have all the onboarding documentation that they need, meaning how to read a brief, what part of the process they need to be involved in, how the process works, who they should contact for what question. Yeah. You don't need to be involved in their onboarding process at all. Obviously, on a human level, you should be, you yeah. know? Sure. Freelancers are they are wonderful people and they're part of your organization, so treat them well. Yeah. Uh, from an onboarding perspective, they should be completely autonomous from the day that they log on to your Notion page yeah. or whatever content creation system you use. Sure. So it's about creating though that machine to make it as efficient as possible. To make it basically run on its own. Run on its own. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And then you talked about a brief. I'm keen to dive into that a little bit. Yeah. What does the power good, of the brief? Let's yeah. cross. What does a good brief look like for you? A good brief. Oh my gosh, this is the question Big of the century. Question. Yeah. And I think it's changed a lot since the the coming of age of AI, right? So a good brief has a whole bunch of things, but it should have all of the SEO information that your freelancers need. So your copywriters may not be SEO experts and that's okay. They don't have to be, they need to be writers, right? So you should be taking care of all that SEO information that they need, meaning that you need to give them their primary keywords, all the secondary keywords, all the search terms that they need to include, all of the internal Mm. links that they need to include. And even if you don't have the internal links prepared, the anchor text that they need to include in your copy so that it is as natural as possible. It started raining a bit again, you might have noticed. I'm sorry, I just, I blow dried my hair today. Oh, you know Trish, what I mean? <laughs> don't apologize for that, I Here. understand. So, I don't blow dry my hair, but I imagine if I did, I'd want to preserve make sure it. I'm out of the, yeah. yeah. A brief. So, putting all that SEO information, but also giving them context. So, how the content is going to be recycled later. Right. What is the format of the content? How long should it be? Uh, what topics they need to touch on? And mm. this is your part as the content marketer is giving them the specific business context that they need in order to write. Again, they're not experts in your business. Yeah. You are. Yeah. So, you need to be able to give them all the context that they need in order to write it properly. Yeah. Super cool. Right. And um, interested to hear, I know some freelancers kind of that I've worked with enjoy to have a bit of freedom to like yep. put their stamp on it right but how strict are you with that brief like is it very restrictive or do you give them space to 
collaborate with you on it or honestly I I ask for feedback so I, I go yeah. into as much detail as possible in the beginning because every freelancer is different as well yeah. every copywriter is different some some really enjoy the structure and like yeah. I've had freelancers who would, we actually detail like all of the H2s and the H3s that they need oh, to touch nice. on um, have found that too restrictive and some have found yeah. that really helpful so it really depends on people that you hire mm. and just make sure you get their feedback yeah. ask them for feedback regularly especially like after their two or three articles in the process they're like this is too much for me I'm like okay like let me scale back and yeah. if you see if we can get the same quality and the same business objectives yeah, right sure. so get the feedback they're part of your team they're part of your organization listen to them cool okay cool so yeah so that's about having a brief it's about having all those things in place that make it run efficiently afterwards, right? Yep. So when you're onboarding new freelancers or you're, mo- I don't know, moving into another language, you're not recreating the wheel every time, right? No, exactly. Yeah. The wheel cool. is created. <laughs> the wheel is created. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so what's the fourth step? Fourth step is to test. Test and learn. So now we finally reached the point where we can actually start launching the machine. You may have the itch to be really aggressive and be like, I'm going to pu- publish 15 articles a week, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like, no, start with three or four Make sure that your freelancers are have all the information that they need. Make sure yeah. it's not taking too much of your time because the idea is that when you scale, you're not spending 80% of your time scaling. The idea yeah. is that the content machine works well enough that you only need to spend 40 to 50% of your time, maybe even less, depending on how fast you want to scale. Mm. So That already work- seems like quite a few, three or four a week to start with. Is that... For you, it's not many? No. No, okay. no, no. If you want to be really aggressive with SEO, yeah. uh, I was working in my previous company. Shout out to Springly. Love you guys. Um, <laughs> we were at one point doing 20 articles between 20 and 25 a week. Wow. At our most aggressive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we were able to scale almost upwards of almost to 2,000% in 18 months wow. of organic traffic. So okay. you can do it aggressively if you want to. But that was yeah. taking a lot of my time obviously right, right? right. so if you want to scale slower that's totally fine yeah. but work out the kinks beforehand yeah, you know what sure. I mean do you find there's do you find there's a real direct link between the number of articles you publish and the scale yes. you're driving okay. 100% yeah I think there's a direct correlation obviously for producing good content you know what I mean yeah. and you're starting from a pretty simple starting point right yeah. if you're starting with and you already have 500 articles already published on your blog that's going to be a different scale we were yeah. starting from pretty much we we're pretty much starting over okay. back at springley and so we had great places to go pretty quickly yeah. so cool. so yeah okay and what and so you talk about testing say yep. you're starting with three four articles a week mm-hmm. what sort of things are you looking for when you're testing i measure the lead time between every single part of the process so meaning that in notion you, and you have all these formulas you can you can follow but I measure the lead time from how long it takes me to produce the brief to how long it takes me to get a V1 to how long it takes me to get to the edits on my side like Mm -hmm. if I'm editing or I'm having someone edit it for me how long it takes the editor to implement those edits and then how long it takes me to publish the article you know what I mean so measuring every single data point that you can to see where things are bottlenecking Mm -hmm. because I can guarantee if you're not measuring it you're just gonna be like oh I think this is probably taking longer than it should but if you can if you can sit down and be like okay the the, 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 pro, the part of the process that's the most difficult is let's say getting from brief to V1 yeah. then maybe we need to find out a way to make that easier sure okay cool cool okay there you're talking about testing the process of creating and publishing right? yes yeah. exactly are you thinking about are you at that point testing the performance at all or no is it, no it's a long term thing long term strategy yeah. so I, I only measure performance a month right. after Right. So it's not really fair. You know what it's I mean? It's good to know. Yeah. yeah, it's not really fair to, to, to take yeah. SEO and to be like, oh, in three weeks we're going to rank. Sometimes yeah. it happens. Sometimes you can even rank in 24 hours. I've seen it happen. Wow. But 
more realistically giving yourself the, the space and the grace to yeah. have a month or two or three up to six yeah um, and yes i yeah. know it's a risk yeah i know that it's a risk to put all this into place to spend the money to build the foundation and then to not see the returns you're probably worried about that you yeah. will there's it is impossible that if you, if you do follow all these steps and you're not mm. seeing returns you will you will i mean i promise okay. that you will so cool don't stress cool. how do you manage those kind of conversations internally like Say you've got it up and running three or four articles a week. Yep. Your CMO and your CEO are starting to see stuff being pumped out. <laughs> I imagine the first thing they're asking is like, "What's it? You know, what's it doing?" Yep. How do you manage those conversations? Like patience. Really? Yeah. I think this is the hardest part of any marketer's job is to make executives and the executive level understand that it is a question of time and patience. Yeah. Um, and you can give them data points like the organic traffic, the number of visits. But what I often provide at the very beginning stages is, is our projections. Mm. So I have given um, a set of three projections of like a conservative, a moderate, and ag- an aggressive oh, SEO nice. approach. And what I do is I take the, the, the keyword volume based on the number of articles that I would produce per week in terms of what part of the funnel that they're at. So if I'm producing like three Bofu articles, one Mofu and then one Tofu, let's say for five a week, I'm taking an average amount of traffic, obviously uh, calculating the conversion rate and then giving them projections based on how much traffic we could get if we take this approach. So they kind of know what's coming. Obviously it's a very generalized projection, uh, but it kind of gives them an idea of what's to come. Cool. Yeah. And you're hoping at least like your CMO is probably going to understand that. Oh, yes, Your CEO absolutely. might be more like, I just want to sell. Thankfully, I just, we have a we have an executive team who is who are very marketing forward. Cool. And that they're they're happy to put their trust in our hands. That's but cool. I know that's not the case for everybody. So yeah. try and give them data points that they can understand. You know what I mean? SEO, yeah. again, like I said, can be very abstract. So yeah. try and make it as concrete as possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Are we up to the sixth fifth now? I think five. Fifth. Fifth. Yeah. So fifth yeah. is optimized and backlink. So once you've once you've mastered the process, you've tested it, then you can start scaling, right? Yeah. The fifth is to optimize and backlink, right? So it is very easy when you're scaling SEO to forget to optimize later, right? Yeah. It's very yeah. easy to like set it and forget it mm. in favor of of producing more. Sure. Uh, I made that mistake before. Yeah. <laughs> it is very important that you know after the first few months of scaling that you're going back and making sure that you have all of your content is performing as it should, right? right? So again, that doesn't mean you have to be on first position of every single keyword that you target, but things that are progressing naturally that you're, you are, um, you are ranking Mm. and you're all ranking higher and that you're continuing to progress, right? right? And so I have come up with a series of like SEO red flags. And again, this depends on your business objectives, but like being able to create a sort of automatic reporting and automatic data lake if you're if you can have someone help you build that mm. uh, like any url that hits one of the red flags that you've defined kind of spits itself out and they can take a look at the url right. and analyze the problem to see what you could do better you red flag into like red flag in terms of a url that's not performing like it should right so like right. an example of a red flag is that like you're not ranking after six months right that's a red flag, yeah. right? And so then you need to go back in and again, because SEO is very subjective, it's never a one size fits all problem. Yeah. Uh, back in, look at the content and say, okay, 
am I cannibalizing with another article? Yeah. Did I just choose the wrong keyword? Is the keyword positioning wrong? Do I need it to offer another type of content? Do I need to add a video maybe to explain the concept better? Right. So def- optimizing, making sure that you are um, not setting and forgetting. Yeah. Uh, you don't create a mess for yourself later. Because let me tell you, if you have to go back in and optimize 500 articles in six months, you are not going to be pleased with yourself. No, so it's got to be a constant kind of thing constant and yeah Yeah. and and marrying these two ideas of optimizing and still producing at the Mm. same level can be very challenging Mm. oh ask for more help if you need it yeah and um, yeah cool yeah and then backlinking obviously backlinking is like that big third pillar of seo authority make sure that you are getting as many backlinks to your website as possible the stage when you're scaling especially if you're scaling from kind of nothing uh, focus on backlinking to your homepage or to your domain in general. So don't worry about backlinking to specific articles so much unless you have like really specific articles that are highly converting. Right. Don't worry about that too much for right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, backlinking is, is super important. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And what about the whole so you there you're talking about backlinking to your own to your own website pages. Yep. What about like, you know, you always have people reaching out saying, Can I like can I write an article on your blog? Like Oh, like um, blogs, like a guest post? Yeah, guest post. Yeah. Like Do you also think about that from a backlinking point of view? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, cool. I think backlinking is something that is still to this day very manual. Right. Um, and buying backlinks can be kind of debated in the SEO community about, like, yeah. are they good quality? Right. Um, just ridiculously expensive, especially if you guys are on a startup. Like, is that reasonable? Right. Yeah. Um, so things like that. Ooh. Oh, it's red. Sorry. Sorry. No, um, my fault. <laughs> so... Is it reasonable? Uh, there are definitely lots of ways to get good quality backlinks for quote-unquote free, like okay. using Haro or Features.com or whatever. But one of the best hacks I found for getting backlinks is actually offering your company and yourself as a use case for the tools that you use. Oh, uh, yeah. So, like, let's say you use Notion, my biggest, I'm the biggest yeah, fan of Notion. Notion. Contacting Notion and being like, listen, we love using Notion. It's helped change our business in X, Y, and Z way. We'd love to offer ourselves as a use case. And you get build a great relationship with your partner tool and then you get a really high quality backlink yeah, kind really of cool. and it takes very little effort so little things like that that's a great idea okay cool yeah because so, guest posting can be a lot of work on both sides you know what i mean sure for, for maybe little reward right somewhere yeah okay so optimization in backlink yep and then the last step yeah the last final step, step, final step. right as we arrive oh wow um Just i know hey we're right there. Yeah. Hey. Um, the final step is to recycle all your content. So, yeah. And so, ideally, you know, you want to know how you're going to recycle your content in the brief, like we talked about a little bit earlier. But the idea is to create, like, a content recycling plan so that you know exactly how you're going to... I only have the word in French, décliner, how you're going yeah, to, like, to like, redistribute yes. all of the different content that you produce. So, mm-hmm. one article... So, we're not talking about all your articles, right? So, all of your really key bottom of funnel really high action articles maybe you want to turn them into webinars or videos or a podcast even or a linkedin carousel things like that so making sure that you know exactly how you want to redistribute your content once you get everything you get used to everything so be gentle with yourself learn how to scale first and then recycle and redistribute yeah Um, and yeah that's like that's the key key to success yeah so when like because that's interesting because i think about seo like a channel and you described other ones that, you know, say webinars, social, etc. Yeah. When you get in, is your approach to first focus on SEO and then to build 
the rest from there as part of this final step? Right. So I think it's a whole question of priority, right? Yeah. So as a content marketer um, who I guess is specialized in SEO, SEO is kind of my first priority because I know that it's yeah. going to bring us in traffic and leads, etc. And I'm only... We are a four-person marketing team, but I'm the only content marketer on our team. Yeah. So it's more of a question of priority and time. Yeah. Um, but if I had a, a team of three or four people just for myself, we would be able to do all of it at once. But obviously, yeah. that's not realistic. So yeah. I think the most important thing is to be able to know your limits and to prioritize them what you think is going to have the most high impact first. So right. for us, it's SEO. For someone else, it may be branding and visibility on social media. For mm-hmm. someone else, it could be webinars and like really high... Uh, impact content uh, like uh, for instance or things yeah. like that. field marketing sure. so it really depends on you and your goals and the number of people you have on your team and just don't burn yourself out don't you know burn I mean? yourself out yeah and I feel like SEO is one of those things that you can just like feel like you need to boil the ocean yeah <laughs> yeah but I love the way you describe it because breaking it down into those six steps it makes it feel a little bit more approachable and approachable yeah, yeah. so that's super cool I want to finish off, Trish, because you are at work and I don't want to hold you up too much. That's okay. You've got to get in there and do your SEO. I do, oh I do, goodness. I know, I know. <laughs> um, obviously, AI is, is all the rage. Yeah. And it's the, it's the question everyone has right now is like, how is it changing search mm-hmm. and SEO? Because it feels like that's almost the first thing that's like yeah. hitting, right? So how are you seeing that? And how are maybe you using AI? It's a huge opportunity. Like, I know it's hard because... When I scaled SEO for the first time, AI didn't exist. And so we were hiring an army of freelancers, an army of editors. We were paying a lot, even for this very, very top of funnel content. You know what I mean? Um, And now I think there's a huge opportunity to use what my good friend Tom Winter has has, um, coined as the cyborg method. So being able to take all of your low-risk, low-volume content that's very far from your business objectives, but still important for you guys to talk about, um, using AI to to produce that so not 100% AI we're not robots right but to produce an AI brief maybe an AI generated article and then have someone go back in add all your internal links Mm. add a few a few handful of sentences that makes it feel much more human Mm. much more warm that adds your tone style branding and all of your business core objectives into that article so doing 90% AI for those again low risk yeah low volume yeah low business objective content not um, the ones that are like super important no to you no no funnel, absolutely so. not so anything that's really core to your business objectives that's really bottom of funnel where you, you know you want to convert yeah. that should be human generated as much as possible sure. so an, an AI brief fine but edit the AI brief yeah. yourself yeah. you know what I mean really so cool. use AI it's a huge it's a huge opportunity especially if you're a startup especially if you have a restricted budget use it it's a great tool for you yeah. to use Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. And generate all your meta descriptions and... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Use yeah. it as a tool, not like... Yeah. Not like a placement or some kind of thing where you could... Um, no. I've said to people, like, it's not about saying I've created 10... I've written 10 articles in 12 minutes. Like, right. You know, no. it's like it's a tool to maybe set up the framework or the guardrails for that or... Yeah. The structure of it or whatever. The idea is to put your brain to where you need it. Yeah. most yeah. you know what I mean like what are those things that it can do that you just 
find boring or yeah. like so low value. Like you don't need to be yeah. writing a meta description. Yeah. You really don't. Like mm. you really don't. You know what I mean? Even Google changes them itself yeah. nowadays. Like it's right. rare when you write your own meta description and Google takes it as is. Like it knows better and it probably does. <laughs> so like use AI as a tool to put your brain power to where you really where you're really adding value, not to a meta description, yeah. but to like the actual content, making sure that the visuals that go with your content are clear, explicit, easy to read, yeah. beautiful, um, to recycling your content, you know what I mean? Like, or developing a new skill even. It's it's yeah. it's a great tool for us to use. And I know it's scary and it has reduced our ser- search for everybody by like right. at least 30%, I think the statistic was, is that wow. like people have seen a, a drop in traffic by 30% mm. if we're not kind of feeding into that Google AI algorithm. So yeah. again, being more visual with our content, mm. less text, more high impact text, shorter mm. paragraphs, mm. invest in video, invest in high quality infographics. Do you know what I mean? Make sure that you're kind of feeding into the algorithm in the best yeah. way by making your content more accessible. Yeah. Cool. And I, lo- I love that sense of like, it can actually help us do our job in a more human way. Absolutely. And uh, make the things that we didn't even enjoy doing before anyway. I know. So. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, fantastic, Trish. This has been such a cool conversation. Yeah, it's Thank so great. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you, like, in person. Yeah, fantastic. And thanks for uh, for being part of it. There was lots of noise, lots of buses, but uh, it was we a made fantastic it work. commute for you to work. Hope you had a good day. Thank you.